Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and good evening to another episode of Swinging from the Hip. It's uh, that time of the week again. It comes around quite quickly. And uh, we're having a few technical issues today, so um, we're just waiting for our guests to turn up, and um, we're just having some technical issues with them. So hopefully they will be here shortly and join us for the conversation. But um, just crack on anyway, and look, today on the show, we will be looking at uh, Australia and England, and we'll finish the week, see, see how, how the numbers ended up there and uh, what happened. As you can see, I'm just trying to work a few things around at the moment, so I'm a bit all over the place. Um, we'll also look forward to the ODI series now that the T20s have finished and see if Australia can uh, fight back and uh, be a bit more successful in those ODIs, or will England carry on their dominance over them? CPR final is on, and we will see if the uh, look into the CPR final. It will be between TKR and the Zooks. And we also look at, if we can get our guests on, the vexing issue of what club, local club and community cricket scene will look like with the curveball of COVID thrown at it. As I say, as we're just having a few um, difficulties with technology today, so we'll just see how that pans out. But as we say, we'd like to welcome the panel in today, but um, we're still waiting for them to be able to join us. So uh, we'll cra carry on for some more um information oh geez i'm all over the place right anyway moving right along let's head to this week in cricket and we'll see what was happening in the annals of history for this week uh and we've got courtney walsh uh in 2000 year 2000 september the 4th year 2000 um courtney walsh was uh walked to the crease for the last time in england We've got Hussain there at the moment. Hussain, can you hear me? No, nah, we're definitely still having technical issues there. Anyway, Courtney Walsh walked to the crease for the last time in England. Walsh last test duck in cricket as well. And it was LBW to Dominic Cork, and it gave England the win by 158 runs. So, and we move on to the 5th of September in 1973. And Sir Garfield Sobers, who scored 8,300. Uh, sorry, 8,032 test runs, but, but his only innings, ODI innings, he scored a duck. Now, so basically, he scored all these test runs, and the only ODI game that he ever played, he scored a duck. But he did manage to get one wicket uh, in that game, but that couldn't stop England going on to win by one wicket. And in, the in 1826, on the same day, 5th of September, saw the birth of a man who creating the cricketing Bible. John Wisden, yes, he went on in 1864 to publish John Wisden's Almanac, and it has been produced every year since 1864. Moving along to the 6th of September in 1880, so the first day of Test Cricket in England. Now, you have to remember the first day of Test Cricket ever was in Australia, but this was the first day of Test Cricket in England. 
And that first day of cricket also saw WG Grace score 153. Was the last that the test <laughs> stretched into December. It was the last time that stretched into December. Now, let me explain that a bit further. So it went deep into September, uh, basically. So no other test match had lasted into September as long until 2002 when it was stretched by one day in an India versus England game in England. 2016, same day, 16th of September, and Australia broke the record for the highest T20 total when they scored 263 against the previous record holders, Sri Lanka. So that was in 2016. 7th of September, 1963, and Sussex won the first ever major one-day final. So basically, one day, the first time that a competition was held where they had a final for a one-day competition. That's in 1963. And it was played at Lords, and Sussex scored 168 all-out. Massive numbers back in the day. And then they bowled out Worcester for 154. On this day uh, in 2001, on, sorry, on, on this day, on 8th of September, Mohammad Ashrafal of Bangladesh became the youngest player to score a test century. Now, it's debatable. There's two records and two versions. He, he was either not quite 17 or he was just over 17. Either way, he scored 114 runs. And even if it was just over the over the 17, he was still would have been the youngest player uh, to score uh, a test century. And finally, on the 9th of September in 1994, he scored a lot of ODI century, but his first one took a long time to achieve. In fact, he had to wait until his 78th ODI match before he achieved the feat. That's Sachin Tendulkar. He scored 110 against Australia in the Singer World Series day-nighter played in Colombo. In 2017, on the 9th of September, the Trinbago Knight Riders went on to win their second Caribbean Premier League in three years. And that was against the St. Kitts and Nevis Patriots. And they look short odds to do it again in 2020. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. So again, it, look like, it looks like I might be solo on the show all tonight. So make sure you keep me company in that chat room. And we might have to hold off on that topic for the COVID affecting the club so we can get those technical issues sorted out, hopefully, for next week. And we'll see what happens anyway. Right, moving on to this week and what's actually ha happened in the modern-day times as opposed to history. England comfortably went on and won their T20 series with Australia, 2-1. Josh Butler and David Milan having productive series. The third saw Australia pick up a consolation win after both sides made some squad rotations. And we'll go into that series a little bit more, a bit further into the show. The Trinbago Knight Riders, as just mentioned a little bit earlier, easily came, well, overcame the Jamaica Taliwas and the Saints Lucha Zooks got over the Guyana Amazon Warriors and they're both into the CPL final. Now that sets up a final which we will be which will be on tomorrow. Well, overnight tomorrow because it's will be in the Caribbean. So it's the 11th of September. So it'll be more like uh, Saturday morning New Zealand time anyway. Between so that'll be between the Night Riders and the Zooks. Meanwhile, the White Ferns have started their quarantining in Australia ahead of their series with Australia. Funnily enough, since they're in Australia, they might as well play them. They will play three T20s. Uh, that will be followed up by three ODIs. And in a bit more sort of the back room, boardroom stuff, Ian Watmore, who took over from Colin Graves as ECB chairman just recently, has grave concerns haha, of the financial impact of COVID-19 if COVID-19 continues to impact the game globally in 2021. Whilst England is seeing the return of crowds, a serious second wave could jeopardise this prospect of a profitable crowd numbers. So what we're basically talking about is the impact of no gate takings. And, and again, we might touch on that if we can resolve the technical issues, but I don't think we are going to be able to. I'm just going to read my messages coming through. No, nah, it doesn't look very good, I'm afraid, for that. 
Um, and the Australian government has given the go-ahead to India to quarantine in South Australia. This will be done at the newly built hotel adjoining the Adelaide Oval. So they'll quarantine at the Adelaide Oval Hotel, Adelaide Oval Hotel for two weeks, but there will be tests played in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane. Now, if the situation doesn't get better in Melbourne or in fact gets worse, that Melbourne Boxing Day test match will most likely be played in Sydney. So they will have back-to-back tests there with the Boxing Day test followed by the New Year's Day test. And good news for the Chennai Super Kings as Deepak Chahar will rejoin the squad after recovering from COVID-19. Chahar is a BCCI contracted player, so I'm sure the Super Kings will be glad to have him back in the squad. And that's basically our sports news for this week. Now, as I said, it looks like I'm flying solo, so this could be a very quick show tonight compared to our normal shows, which go on for well over the hour. Now, as I mentioned in the news uh, before, excuse my head of scratch, it's getting a bit warm. (laughs) Now, the T20 series is over, and it's not been quite the experience competition that I thought that Australia was going to give England. The three T20s uh, played and England winning the series 2-1. So if we look at the first first T20, I'm just going to bring it up. There we go. That's better. So the first T20, we saw basically David Milan and Josh Butler doing the damage for England as and Warner and Finch getting Australia off to a good start. But Stoinis really didn't accelerate towards the end of the innings. And when he did put his foot down, he really put too much pressure on himself to get too many runs in that final over. They did give themselves a chance, but needing six off the last ball, I think it was, that basically came up short. And as we saw there, England with 162. So we're just going to pop off to the full scorecard there. Butler getting 44, and David Milan, who has now gone to the number one batting ranking in T20s, in the ICC T20 rankings, uh, scoring 66. Not well, And basically once, um, so Butler and Milan came in, they were going along at quite a rate of knots. Um, run, rate, run rate when the, while they were in was well over 10 and over or comfortably over 10 and over. And then once their wickets fell, Australia did come back into it. They did sort of manage to pull the reins in a bit of the scoring, picked up Ian Morgan uh, rather cheaply, which is quite key, um, obviously. So, And they restricted them, you sort of say, to 162, which is a relatively gettable target. And they started, and basically looking at the bowling things, you can see, uh, Richardson, strangely, when we look at Richardson's, um, Kane Richardson's bowling there, he was going along at 4.33 runs and over. Now, he didn't get bowled out. He had one over left. So whether that was management issues or whether he had a niggle and so he didn't bowl out, I'm not sure. Same again with Glenn Maxwell, um, going for under fives and only bowling his three overs. So again, possibly a bit of mismanagement that the Australians would want to have looked at. Going on to Australia's second innings, and David Warner and Aaron Finch starting off really well. And uh, again, the score was 98 before Australia lost their first wicket. On target to comfortably cruise to the target of 164, but then the wheels sort of fell off, and uh, they really sort of stalled in the middle. And I have to say, Marcus Toynis really sort of letting the side down looking at him being the power hitter coming into those late stages and only getting 23 runs off 18 deliveries. It's the strike eight strike right there that hurt him. And also Ashton Agar coming in and only getting four off five. So chewing up a lot of balls as they tried to get that target. And when they're only four runs short, that's one boundary off. You sort of think they really did blow that, um, that run chase from such a good position. For England, it was really sort of nobody really standing out economically, so to speak. Um, they're all sort of uh, there or thereabouts. And so it probably highlights again how Australia really did fumble, for want of a term, their run chase from such a good position. So as mentioned, 
England winning that first game. Going on to the second T20 game. And we can see again, it was the Josh, similar scores again. Um, we look at it, 157, 158. Um, very similar scores. Looks like it's around the par score mark. If that, maybe a little bit short. But it was really, again, the Josh Butler and da David Milan show. Australia this time batted first. And again, Aaron Finch leading the charge with a good 40 off 33. We'll bring up the full scorecard there. We can see, yes, again, Finch getting uh, a good 40. But I think the problem here was that Australia did lose a couple of early wickets in Warner and Carey. So with Warner and Carey losing those wickets early, it probably did stall Australia's progress a little bit going forward. Although then Finch did get into his work. In this game, Stoinis did actually get a few runs uh, and a bit quicker than the first. So that did help the Australians through to 157 for seven. Again, I'd suggest that that's probably just below par um, or on par at best. And then once you sort of get to the um, England scorecard and you look at Josh Butler with 77 off 54 and David Milan 42 off 32, really get the impression that it was below par when they basically racked up the total for with seven balls to spare as well. I'm going to go through a bit of water tonight, talking all, all night for myself. Anywho, <laughs> as they say, as we can see, it was pretty much a comfortable victory. And I think this sort of more showed the dominance that England had over Australia in the series, apart from, say, Aaron Finch being the consistent player for Australia coming through. So we go through the, and basically then we came to the third and final T20. And all the, there wasn't anything on the line. It was a dead rubber. England had picked up the series 2-0 by that stage. The only thing that was on the line was whether Australia could maintain their ICC T20 ranking, which was at number one, or whether England with a win could actually overtake them. So there were some changes that happened, both squads made some changes and uh, resting players. The key one for me was the fact that Josh Butler for England, he'd been the dynamic um, starter for England, getting them off to a rollicking start. And basically, they rested him for this match. We can see, though, even though we've got Josh Butler being rested, Dave, Johnny Bairstow steps up and scores 55 off 44. Not quite at the strike rate of what Josh Butler would have done, but still not a bad strike rate nonetheless. In this game, however, Australia were able to restrict England to 145 for six off their 20 overs. Now, if we consider that 160 was par or just below, 145 was extremely below par. And you can see there, this time, Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood stepping up and providing a sort of quite economical returns there with 20 off there of um, Stark's four overs and 23 off Hazelwood's four overs, respectively there. Coming out to bat for Australia, no David Warner, Matthew Wade and Aaron Finch opening up. And as you can see, starting them off with a pretty handy start, going at 10s, losing their first wicket at 31 uh, into the fourth over it's there so basically going along quite nicely and then um, Mitchell Marsh towards the tail end of the innings coming along and scoring 39 of 36 to help finish that off now interestingly enough Mitchell Mitchell uh, Marsh actually picked up player of the match from the game too so not sure how he did that with it's not exactly great score and he didn't bowl either so anyway he picked up the um Player of the match, and Australia got home with three balls to spare with 146 for five. Now, the win for Australia in that third T20 also meant that they were able to retain the number one T20 ICC ranking. So, for me, it was basically Butler and Milan that were the mainstays for the England and got them through to the series win. 
Finch obviously performing very well for the Australians. It's almost like a lone hand with cameo, well, not even cameos, but performances by individuals, not consistently though for Australia and through the series. So there's a bit to work on for Australia. They really do need to look at that middle order when you look at um, getting good starts from their top, um, particularly from Aaron Finch and in that first game, uh, um, David Warner as well. So they'll be looking at themselves into seeing why their middle order isn't performing how they normally have done and whether there is something they need to fix there or address. Interesting for me was how uh, Ashton Agar coming up quite high in the order, whether that's really his position or not, and uh, that remains to be seen. So here from the T20s, they go on to the ODIs. The ODI will be starting um, this Saturday England time. So that'll be overnight Sunday New Zealand time. And what exchanges do we expect? This would be where I'd throw to the panel and get some feedback from them. But that feedback will have to be from me. So <laughs> let's go. Here we go. For me, the obvious one that will be coming into the uh, ODIs for Australia will be Nathan Lyon. He'll make a huge difference, I feel, in terms of keeping it tight in the middle overs um, and trying to, to restrict... England, uh, if they've got away to a good start in particular, especially if Josh Butler carries on the form that he has had. So we'll basically, whether they carry on with um, Alex Terry at wicketkeeper, that'll be interesting, or whether they give some of the uh, Josh Felipe a, a shot, the youngster, um, that will be another key one to see whether they get that. Mitchell Marsh, after his performance in the last T20, will probably be a start there. I know that they have preferred him in the ODIs in the past. So we'll see what happens there. But for me, yep. It's Nathan Lyon who will be the one that will come in to start the first ODI with the change in the Australian squad. They'll obviously return back to Aaron Finch and David Warner starting at the top of the innings after having Matthew Wade in there. It'll be interesting to see if Matthew Wade comes in at number three, which they'll, so they'll have quite a dynamic top three there with Finch and Warner starting with Wade coming in straight after. Looking through to England. Can't see too many changes happening. I think it's just uh, they've got a squad. They're quite comfortable with their key players within the squad, and they rotate their bowlers around them. I mean, we've got Owen Morgan, who's basically had a pretty good summer so far. Moan Ali will come in, will be there, I should say. And uh, look, it, it, if you don't take your stumpings, as uh, Pakistan found out, he can come and hurt you later on down that innings. Josh Butler, form player, and David Milan obviously will enter into that. Um, well, Josh Butler probably be opening. David Milan coming in at three or four and providing some pr pretty good strike power early on rather than later on down the order. Joe Root will probably be come back in. will be interesting to see. He's been rested for the T20s from white ball cricket. Um, we will, will we see Joe Root enter back into the ODIs? We will find out on Saturday when that first ODI between England and Australia gets underway. So there we go. We move on to the CPL, and we've finally come to the end of the CPL tournament. And the finale is going to be between the Trinbago Knight Riders, who have been all dominant throughout the round-robin uh, situation, uh, round-robin games, and the St. Lucia Zooks. St. Lucia Zooks will be um, in there as well after beating the Guyana Amazon Warriors. An amazing match where they got the Warriors out for 55 runs. Yes, that was it. The sum total of the Warriors effort was 55. And then to rub a bit of salt into the rooms, Raheem Cornwall took a liking to the taste of Imran Tahir's bowling as the Zooks raced to 55 in less than five overs. So that was interesting match to see. The Trinbago Knight Riders equally having a pretty comfortable win in their semi-final as well. So I would love to be able to ask the panel who they're picking for this final. Um, the TAB, New Zealand TAB, has the Knight Riders at $1.48 with the Zooks at $2.50. So if you take that, you sort of say that you guess that the TAB is actually giving the Zooks a chance of winning the game. Although I'd be putting most of the house, if not all of it, on the Knight Riders. They're, they're, when we look at their squad, 
We've looked at this squad a couple of weeks ago. They've got power coming at the top, starting the innings. They've got Sunil Narayan, who they can send in at the top. They haven't recently, but they did start at the start of the tournament. But again, just shows that the power, the batting power that the Trinbago Knight Riders have. As I said, you start off at the top, and then you've got Kyron Pollard coming down the order, and even Tim Seifert as well. The, the Zooks, well, they're the surprise package for me, and I've mentioned this um, before. You've got to remember, so the St. Lucia Zooks were, the, were another franchise before the, the CPL 2020 started. They basically folded the previous St. Lucia franchise and have rebuilt the franchise under the brand, the franchise name of the Zooks. So to get into the final, basically in your first year, is a fantastic effort. <clears throat> Will it be in vain? I'm picking so. I'm thinking that it should be a pretty comfortable victory there for the Knight Riders. And if we look at the table, I'll just bring that up. One moment, please, callers. Yep, the, um, if we have a look at that, the uh, Knight Riders have won 10 for 10. And quite comfortably, if they actually handed out bonus points for wins, they'd probably be have got a bonus point from every game that they played and be on 30. When we look at that gap of 20 points and their next highest on the table, the, um, the Warriors at 12 and the Zooks at 12, it just shows how much of a gap there is between the two teams. In saying that, you always got to have a starter's chance. And as Darren Sammy was saying in an interview, it's like, you know, the Trinbago Knight Riders are the Goliaths of the 2020 CPL, and they plan to be the David. And everybody's heard the tale of David slaying the of slaying Goliath. So we shall see. And that game is on. On Saturday morning, New Zealand time, it's the it's 11th of September, so it'll be on a Friday in the Caribbean, but it will be on Saturday in New Zealand. So, And as Simon Hughes has said in the chat rooms, they've basically rebranded, although there were financial issues at the Zooks, so they were also wound up, but then restarted. So we'll look at that. And this is at the point of the show, so we've sort of raced through and we're already halfway through, but... Um, this is at the point of the show where we're going to talk about the impacts of uh, club cricket and community cricket with COVID. Um, but unfortunately, our guests have had technical difficulties and we haven't been able to get them on the show. Uh, so apologies for that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave that until next week because I think it is an important. And we've got two club chairmen that we were hoping to have on the show tonight which would be able to give us a really good indication on what's actually happening out there. In, <laughs> no, unfortunately, uh, Hussain's not, it's, he's been in the lobby a few times, um, Darren. Um, so um, he's, uh, it, it, some, there was some technical issues. We couldn't get his sound working and it was freezing up a bit as well. So yes, but as I say, we'd love to get the club managers on there because Things aren't quite the same as a normal season. Um, registrations we're hearing are down as well. So it'll be interesting to hear what is actually happening down on at the ground, at grassroots level in club cricket and community cricket as well. And what changes could be made for this season or going forward even as we look at to see the impacts that COVID have on the cricketing landscape. Anyway. Bit of a ah uh, right, so yeah. If there's anything else that anybody wants to talk to, I'll keep trying to wrap it on for another five minutes or not. So, but um, if not, we'll wrap it up early today. It'll make up for all the overruns that we've had in the past. But um, yeah, that's about it. I suppose we're looking at just on the white ferns. Look forward to the white ferns playing in Australia. Um, they will be. As, as I mentioned in the news this week, against Australia, um, unfortunately, I can't see the schedule for those games, but they will be playing for the Rose Bowl as well. And Sophie Devine wanting to basically pick up that Rose Bowl, which they missed out on uh, last time. Very close series. Um, they also ran Australia close in the World um, T20 World Cup 
um, a, a very close match there, which um, Australia won and then went on to win the tournament. So there we go. Um, what else have we got? Uh, we've got the IPL. So actually, I can tell you about the IPL a little bit. We are hoping to find a IPL fan. We've got a couple. We just got to tee it up with them so that we can get them on to discuss the IPL that's starting very shortly in about a fortnight's time. So we'll try and get someone in there as well. Um, we've got, um, as we mentioned, the Chennai Super Kings seem to be getting their players. They had a couple of players out with um, because of COVID. They've got um, one back and they've got one more player who's still recovering from COVID-19. He's still in quarantine and we'll be looking to get him back into the squad as well. Yes, look, the international summer. Um, waiting for it to happen. It's, it really is a bumper season that New Zealand cricket has actually put together. It's just a matter of hopefully we don't have a situation where we can't play the games or for whatever reasons we have to postpone. They call it postpone. We know they get cancelled. You can't really postpone them. So looking forward to it. When we look at it, uh, I'd have to go back again through my notes, but we've got Australia coming, which is going to be great. Um, obviously, we always got to have Bangladesh coming because it seems like we've got to have Bangladesh finishing off the series. Um, we've got, uh, I know, to going back to the White Ferns, New Zealand cricket is trying to get um, a series with Australia and England scheduled for to replace the World Cup which has also been postponed, but there is the opportunity there to play some games with um, uh, basically a, a hole in the calendar. So it'd be good to see if uh, Australia could come over here after the T20 and ODI series in Australia and England to come over as well. It's, it's, I'm just sort of getting a message coming through and it's like the West Indies have agreed to come. So hopefully... Our um, Mount Roskill cluster doesn't explode. I'm in Mount Roskill, by the way. So the Mount Roskill cluster doesn't explode, and we can carry on having the West Indies turn up. Now, one of the conversations has been had recently with um, rugby um, being possibly losing hosting in New Zealand and going to Australia, and it's the difference being is that the rugby squads have far bigger squads. So the fact that cricket generally travel with smaller squads is is greatly in its favour. It means that they should be able to meet New Zealand's quarantine standards and also be able to get out and have a practice as well. So it's be good if we can get those things in place. As I said, just so basically, oh, sorry, just uh, reiterating, uh, Terence is like, what chances cricket have? Yeah, as, as has sort of been discussed in the um over the radio uh, in the last few days in public. Um, one of the issues with rugby is just the squads, the size of the squads that they travel with. You're generally looking at 35 players coming in a players only, that is, uh, in a squad. And then you've basically got about 10 hangers on in terms of coaching staff, management, um, um, masseuse, physios, et cetera, et cetera. Takes the squad numbers up into the 40s. Um, and then when if you've got 40 times another three teams you're basically looking at somewhere over you know 120 or at least 100 um, players teams being isolated quarantined and the management of that as well as well as giving them facilities to practice and quarantine from so it's it's that's why it's seen as that cricket especially with the schedule like NZC has it is the fact is that you can have teams coming in and going out as well and you haven't got them all here at the same time with the quadrangular tournament that the rugby championship is you have all the teams all here at the same time so hopefully because of those differences means that cricket can actually have those internationals but we keep our fingers crossed because at the end of the day we know um, we live in unprecedented times this we're unprecedented times, and we don't want to jeopardize any gains that we've made in the battle against COVID-19. I was like, <laughs> absolutely. I was sort of thinking um, cricket and baseball, the only live sport in New Zealand. That could be interesting. Yes, we've got the Australian Baseball League and New Zealand cricket could be the only live sport that we see this summer <clears throat> in New Zealand. And it's just like, uh, it would be good to see. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Super Smash. Um, maybe we can get some of those with so many um, internationals being cancelled. It'd be great if we could get some of those international players <laughs> coming in to uh, New Zealand and filling in some of those Super Smash teams as well. Um, money could be an issue there, but it'd be great to see, you know, international stars coming along. And I'm sure it will add to the atmosphere at the grounds or the game qualities as well. Not saying that, it's the Super Smash, I feel, has been getting better year on year and um, starts to look better and better all the time. So, exactly. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else we got. I'll just go into give me a few seconds here. What do we got now? Actually, look, here we go. There's an article just coming out of um, in, in ESPN sport. And just like what I mentioned, Australia really do need to um, figure out what their middle order is going forward for the T20s. Well, I sort of think. Do they have an issue? If they have a problem in T20s, will they have those same problems in the ODIs as well? It'll be interesting to see how those ODIs uh, fan out or play out, I should say, uh, for Australia against England. Um, I'm sure they will be bitterly disappointed in the way that they performed against England. <clears throat> as I said, um, like you'll have Mitchell Marsh possibly popping in to the middle order there. Um Marcus Lubbershane, will he come into the sort of that top top order? Yeah, does he see Matthew Wade out of position there? Hard to see Matthew Wade. He seems to be performing pretty well in that position. Would you sort of bring in a Lubbershane for him uh, and swap them around? Again, it's we'll get to see that and um, <clears throat> shortly. Let's uh, see. Just going on to Simon Hughes' comment, yeah, sort of like just with the Super Smash. I mean, yeah, the last two editions I thought is that you've actually been able to see, we see good improvements happening. I think um, the only thing I'd say to that is that it's really great to have the internationals just to add that little bit extra. Having one or two internationals per side is um, really good to see. I suppose yeah, you could say the Northern Districts team is an international team. Um, so... That's uh, that's so uh, it'll be quite 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 interesting there. But um, to 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 actually make it give a bit of uh, competitiveness to it to the Northern District Knights, um, it'd be good to bring in a few internationals, wouldn't it? It's interesting if the Knights do actually become as dominant. Does it mean that you want to go around naming your T20 side the Knights because they seem to be able to be totally dominant? Yeah, Taryn saying that the Super Smash product is poorly delivered. I can't disagree with that. I think that actually the games are not too bad, but the delivery of it is poor. It's not consistent in the times that the game is showing. Um, if you, it's like rugby. M my wife goes to me tonight. We'll do a barbecue, um, and then we'll sit down and we'll watch the game. And I'm like, what game? Goes, There'll be a game on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be a game because every Saturday at seven o'clock in rugby season. There's a game on. That's what Super Smash needs as well. You need to know this time, this date, there's a game on. So a Friday night, the game starts at the, on a Saturday, it starts at this time. And then people just need to know, they don't have to think about what time's the game today. They just turn up and it's on the TV. Now, obviously, some of that's because of lights at stadiums. At the end of the day, they have to realize that if you want to have consistent audiences and crowds uh, at the game, if you're allowed crowds this year, we don't want to jeopardize any COVID situations. But if we're allowed to have crowds, we need and, and viewership, consistent viewership, you need to have consistency in the delivery of the product. I think the marketing could do it, yeah, could do better. In Auckland, it wasn't too bad because I think with Burger King on board, Burger King actually um, used the Super Smash as part of their marketing as well. So there was a bit of awareness. I think the key thing is the fact is the marketing around the start times of the games would be key. Now, I, oh, great, 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 great one, Simon. Great one, Simon. I think I'd like, I'm going to just sort of twist that comment from um, Simon a little bit. And the fact is, I think we can already see the detrimental effect that Sky Sport owning um, cricket is having on cricket in New Zealand. 
Okay. Now the example is if you're on late night radio, um, the games have started in the UK. And if it was on Spark Sport, they used to have a monitor in their studios and the talkback host would basically say, oh, yep, and the cricket in England um, against Aust England versus Australia and the score is X. Uh, the news, the news hasn't even covered, then I'm, I'm not talking Sky Sports news, I'm talking TV3 news, TV1 news. There's hardly any coverage of those cricket, international cricket series in Australia. So we can already see the fact that cricket in New Zealand is getting less coverage now that Sparks got uh, getting more and more rights than when it did under Sky Sport. So that's going to affect how many kids are seeing cricket. If it affects how many kids are seeing cricket, it'll affect how many kids are playing the game, joining the clubs, wanting to get a bat in their hand, wanting to get the ball in their hand. So we talked about this when Spark, uh, Sky, uh, Spark Sport were... Um, there was talk rumoured that they were going to get it and um, when they got it people aren't going to grab their devices and start watching cricket it's just something it comes back to like what we talked about with Super Smash you know or rugby even when you know the sport is on at a certain time and you just plonk yourself down in front of the TV and watch it when there was an international match on um, in New Zealand an ODI whatever and you know it starts at 11 o'clock on a Saturday if it's a, a day, if it's a day game, if it's a day nighter, it started at two, and you just plonk yourself down in front of the TV and watch that. These days, you go, oh, I've got to get my device out, I've got to fire it up, and I've got to watch. It doesn't work, and I sort of think, yeah, look, you'll have the techies that will say, oh, it's not that difficult, it's easy. But the reality is, people won't do it. It's a paradigm shift from how we have watched sport to how we're going to watch sport. It's going to take time. Is it going to jeopardise the sports that have gone with Spark, Sky, uh, Spark Sport in the meantime? And are they going to see things actually, um, numbers drop because of it? And to see if, uh, yeah, look, um, you probably have to look at not having crowds in Mount Roskill. We might have to just stay in our homes and not be let out. I'm quite happy with that, sort of. Well, I started a new business, testing and tagging. Oh, hang on. I started a new business, testing and tagging, so I need to get out there and get some work. So if you need some testing and tagging people done, people, make sure you give me a call. <laughs> uh, yep, basically, yeah, look, um, I think that's another issue, isn't it? If you've got if you've got Sky and you're watching other sport on it, and now you're going to have to, if you want to watch cricket, you're going to have to buy a Spark um, and basically, you're going to be buying for multiple platforms. You're not going to do that um, unless you've got, um, you know, money falling out of your pockets. It's, it's you know, it, most people, especially in these, um, in these uh, times of COVID, people are watching how they spend their money with certain, in certain things. So you never know. So it's, it's a difficult one to say. Some people are struggling. Other people, because their holidays are cancelled, are flush. So they might go and sign up to all these platforms. But in the main, I don't think people are going to just sign up to platforms ad nauseum um, and have multiple platforms that they're paying for. Yeah, what Taryn's saying, look, the transition from TV to apps, it's it's just an, it's a, it's a switch. It's an on-off switch. And it doesn't work. It's got to be phased. It said it's a massive paradigm shift to, to, to change from plonking yourself down in front of a the tube, the, the big square box in the corner, um, to then getting your device out to watch something. Look, it, it can have its benefits. Um, you know, in the, if you're if you if a game's starting at nine ten o'clock at night, you're in bed. You can watch it on the TV um, before you. You know, watch a couple of overs, what, half an hour, hour before you go to sleep as opposed to being in front of the TV. So there is those sort of benefits. But I think the big thing is that trying to reprogram a lot of sports viewers to change um, their viewing habits. Time for another drink. Uh, just looking through the comments here, see if there's anything else I can pick up on. That's right. 
Actually, it'd be interesting. Anybody know out there if um, Sky has won cricket rights to anything around the world? <laughs> oh, yep. That's quite handy. Simon saying that the Freeview box has actually got the um, Spark and Sky Sports on it now. But um, does that mean that you actually have to um, sub still have to subscribe to those? Uh, so it's obviously an app on the uh, on the demand screen. I'm guessing, Simon, if you could elaborate on that. Uh, Rajan saying that most games are able to be streamed these days. Yeah, absolutely, they are able to be streamed. But what what we're talking is that that, that reprogramming of the people that do sit down and watch cricket. Um, I know that there's there's certain uh, groups of people that are because the only way they could get to watch what they wanted to watch was to stream it. So then you've got a ready audience there. But for the guys that don't do that, you, you're still going to be losing um, some viewers there. So it'll be interesting. Simon's come back to an answer from my one. Obviously, they'll have the Australian cricket, IPL. So the um, Big Bash from Australia will be on Sky Sport. Um, obviously, the IPL starting in a fortnight's time or so will be coming through on Sky Sports. So there will be some cricket coming through on Sky Sports still. And there's the dilemma, isn't it? Yeah, you're going to be um, – you've got cricket on one platform and cricket on another platform. Are you going to play for pay for two platforms um, to watch those games? As Rajan says, you could be sneaky and find a few streams around uh, to watch those games as well. But, you know, that would be illegal, so I wouldn't do that. All above board here. Yep, so Simon's saying there's uh, apps on the box and you, you have to be online. Yep, that'd be right. So that could be one way around it is actually, uh, again, if you do have the multiple uh, subscriptions, is basically getting Freeview box and uh, have it um, that way so that you can watch it through both the apps on the Freeview box. Uh, yep, the um, if they've got the rights to uh, Australia's um, Australian cricket, they will pick up the Big Bash rights as of that as well. So obviously we'll get to watch the White Ferns playing Australia um, on Sky, and that should all be coming through. Um, that should be coming through, as I said, in a couple of weeks, so we'll get to watch that cricket as well. That could be an interesting position where Sky has more cricket on TV um, than um, Spark Sport. Well, the Spark Sports got the black caps, and we're sort of really hanging out for some black caps action, aren't we? Uh, what else we got on here? We'll just go back to the news and see if there's anything else in the news. I'm, I'm trying. Everybody's getting excited in uh, Dubai because Jimmy Neesham's ready and ready to go in uh, the IPL. He's um, one of the more famous uh, people on social media. So, uh, obviously, he's got a huge amount of followers. So, yeah, he's everybody's getting rather excited having Jimmy Neesham there ready to go in the IPL. Uh, wow. Yep, that's it. Nothing else happening there. So um, I suppose other than that, nothing else much happening. Um, managed to stretch it out for 15 short. Oh, yeah, good point. I'll just say, Jimmy, a good Westie. Um, funny story. Funny story. So my son's been playing at Eden Roscoe Cricket Club than we had last season off due to a, a shoulder injury. He filled in for a team. One of his rugby mates at uh, Suburbs. <clears throat> so they've been practicing. So he went and joined them for a practice. So we had that dilemma. Do we go back to Eden Roscoe? Do we carry on with uh, Suburbs? He was tending towards Suburbs anyway because he's rugby mates in a team as opposed to f making new friends. Um, but the deal was swung quite easily when uh, the second week we turned up for practice in the nets out at um, Ken Maunder Park. And uh, who's in the nets next to us is Ajaz Patel and Jimmy Nisham. And the boys are like... <gasps> So that was, yeah, sort of a, a quite an easy decision to make after that. And it uh, looks like we'll be jumping clubs over to suburbs. So a uh, bit of a bummer for me because it's a bit further for me to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. We don't want, we've got to be careful going to Eden Roscoe because we've got to, the, we don't want to, we want to keep uh, Mount Roscoe isolated. So um, 
better start that isolation in Mount Roskill. Uh, just go and see. Uh, actually, I've got an idea. One moment, please, callers. Stay on the line there. Hang in there with me. Hang in there with me, people. Hang in there with me. Oh, come on. This is this is the bad things. They always put the sports always down at the bottom of websites because they know that's what everybody really wants to go see is sports news. Everybody's sick of everything else happening in the world now. Um, here we go. Look, um, let's see if this article might actually tell us when the Black Ferns tour starts. Okay, so it tells me that the ODAs start on the 26th um of september uh but it's not telling me when the t20 is that's convenient let's see if there's something at the bottom oh here we go here we go here we go for you don't today i don't come through for you oh hang on now i just have to go and mute the uh ads so I don't blast me there right so the first t20 for the actually is for the white friends is actually on the 26th of September, so they've basically after that. So, yep, we're looking at 14 days will take us through to the 24th of September, which will be their quarantine period. And then that first T20 is on the 26th of September, and that's at 14 p.m. Uh, just having a look for you to see the 26th is a Saturday, so we can plonk ourselves down in front of the TV at 4 p.m. and uh, watch the White Ferns. And um, that's actually the second one's on the Sunday and the next day and then the third three uh, t20 is on the 30th of september the first they'll have a bit of a gap not too much just about four days um four days no three days and then they're into the ODA, odis on october the third and followed by the fifth october the fifth and october the seventh those odis starting at uh 10 past one so just the, the now just to be aware, the first um, T20 starts at 4:10 p.m. The second starts at 5:10 because we would have rolled over into daylight savings. So note the extra hour there. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that 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 could be an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's like other clubs that are demanding that Roscoe players go get um, COVID tests before they're um, willing to go out there and play against them, make sure that they're COVID-free. Uh, yeah, this is like um, I, I think um, it could be a bit of a dilemma watching. We will be able to uh, channel surf between the the White Ferns and a bit of Mater Ten Cup. So um, I think Mater Ten Mater comes from the same dictionary as jeopardize there. So uh, that's what that must be. Just uh, it'll be going on. What else have we got? That's about it. Uh, we'll just go back to the. Well, oh, yep. We'll uh, basically just give you a heads up. Something I should have mentioned before, anyway. Um, in that final between the Trinbago Knight Riders and the Saint Lucia Zooks, we'll get to see uh, basically three New Zealanders in action: Scotty Kugeline for the Zooks and Tim Seifert and. Tim Seifert and, oh, geez, who else was it? Was it? There was another one there too. I've lost it. Uh, Tim Seifert. I'll go back to the other page. Oh, no, sorry. Just Kugeline. Kugeline and Tim Seifert will be basically facing off each other. Uh, Kugeline for the Zooks and Tim Seifert will be, as I mentioned, actually, you'll be for the Night Riders. <clears throat> Yeah, Simon, if you know, um, if you can tell us, uh, have you seen it start up already this year um, in, in Rotorua? Um, if there's any preseason cricket happening or warm-ups, etc. I know that seniors have started to practice, although it's limited practice that they're having. Rajan, yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, Colin Monroe also there for TKR. Um, let's go have a look and see. If I can answer that in terms of the here we go. 
I'm going to see the stats for see if who's the top wicket taker for the uh, CPL. Unfortunately, what's it telling me? Uh, stats. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Crick Info website isn't playing ball with me at the moment. CPL stats. 2020. Let's have a look. See what it brings up. Uh, great. Nothing. Woohoo! So I can't tell you at the moment. Let's see if I'll Google it. I'll Google it. 2020 CPL stats. Let's see. Okay, I can give you batting stats, hopefully, by the looks of it. Glenn Phillips is still the top of the uh, rankings for the um, batting. He's scored 316 runs at 35.11. So he's playing for the Taliwas. So he's out, so he won't be adding to that. Lendl Simmons. I hope, uh, Simmons. I'll say Simmons because I don't know if it's Lendl or not. Um, <clears throat> he's on 372, so... If he has a good match, uh, gets the opportunity, has a good match, he could overtake Glenn Phillips because he plays for the Trinbago Knight Riders. Uh, that's the bats, batting stats. Come on, where's the bowling stats? There's some bowling stats. Here we go. Uh, most wickets. Uh, looks like um, DJ Bravo is 97 wickets is uh, the highest bowler and uh, got the most wickets in the CPL. Looks like he's taken... The 97 at an average of 21.52 with economy rate of 8.72. So there we go. But the best uh, economy uh, rate is 5.52. And um, again, another TKR player. So bravo, TKR. So now Narayan, the most economical bowler, is also TKR at 5.52. He's taken 72 wickets. Is he? Is he taking these? Hang on. Yeah, it's starting to get a bit dubious, some of these stats, sorry. Dubious, I'd say, dubious. Oh, well, I think I'll wrap it up at that, fellas. And, um, hey, thanks for watching. It's been an interesting show. It's been different. It's been different. Um, but we've had the most chat that we've ever had, so that's great. And we've had questions in the chat room, which is great. So it's all good. Um, I'll do my closing out spiel. Um, make sure that you go in there. No, those stats can't be right. You're right. They're not right. Yeah, they're not even left, but they're not right, that's for sure. Um, I think they're wrong. I think the Glenn Phillips one might be right, but yeah. But anyway, make sure you go and hit that share button and um, put everybody through the pain and misery of me talking all by myself for a whole show. So uh, make sure you hit that share button tonight as well as the like. Um, uh, now, make sure you tune in every morning at 7 p.m. for the morning sports briefing right here on the New Zealand Sports Radio. And every day of the week, we have a show on. Mondays is Driving Mall. These are all shows at 8 o'clock. Monday, Driving Mall. Tuesday, our basketball show that's been going for a couple of weeks now. The standoff comes along on Wednesday night. The best show of the week on Thursdays with Swinging from the Hip. Thursday, Friday nights, we'll have a preview of whatever rugby is coming on over the weekend. And Sunday night, there's a review of whatever happened over the weekend. And that'll be Mitre 10 Cup coming up shortly, starting this weekend. So make sure you keep that finger, uh, the dial on that number to New Zealand Sport Radio. And we'll see you back here swinging from the hip, hopefully with less technical issues, right back here, 8 p.m. again next Thursday. Thank you very much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 